Hi, this is Neil Newborn, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Do I get paid now? That was my British accent. Pretty good, no? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I am your host, Sam Hughes, and today I am joined by Neil Newborn. Thanks for joining me today, Neil. How are you? I am the destroyer of podcasts. <laughs> you are indeed, sir. You are indeed the destroyer of podcasts. Yeah, we should probably, I should feel I should come clean and caveat this entire sound quality, any sound quality issues. My fault. Um, I did not <laughs> press record on the Audacity thing that I was supposed to be doing when we started talking. Thank God Skype recorded and everything. So anybody that has any kind of issues with the sound quality, my bad, my fault. I own that. Sorry. And I appreciate you <laughs> taking and being the shield for that. <laughs> I believe in transparency and everything professional and not. So, yeah, I want to be an honest person always. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go, no, and push you out of the way, Sam, and take that professional bullet. Right the truth is that he is the nemesis. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, I'm evil. I'm evil light, I want to say, like light evil. Like, okay, and in fact, yeah. people describe my alignment as being chaotic neutral, I think is a thing. I think that that's where I'm at. Incredibly accurate. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few people say that. I think I used to play Warhammer more than D&D, so I kind of know what they mean, but I, I take it as a compliment, I think. Yes, definitely. Good to finally have you on the podcast as well after yeah. for what, like five years? Yeah, we met We met five years ago, man. We met through um, through BAFTA, in fact. And um, it's I crazy met how time goes. Yeah, we've been mates for a long time. And we have, I've never been on the cast, so I'm really excited to be a part of this. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm very us. excited to have you. Thanks, man. And obviously, as a Resident Evil fan myself, I'm very excited to talk to you about your role as Nemesis and Nikolai, where you did performance capture, motion capture, and voice for Nikolai, I believe, was correct? Yeah, that's correct. And then performance capture for Nemesis. Yeah, and also, I have to say, knowing you and doing this gig back in 2018, end of 2018, uh, knowing you're a big RE fan and not being able to tell you that I'm actually an RE fan. You did well, man. You did I well. Did, I did very well. I think I did all right. Like, not spilling the beans going oh yeah well when i was playing nemesis oh, sorry dude um you know I, like, <laughs> I didn't do any of that i was pretty and so capcom uh this is i'm not that i'm making a big deal out of this but this is me not breaking nda with my friends i think you can trust me now i think it's good. yeah i think you pro so, yeah. i think you yeah, like nda pro now <laughs> <laughs> on this level nda complete pro nda yeah. you know yeah it's pretty good <laughs> so so yeah i got to talk about yeah. all that exciting stuff yeah i think it's worth for the benefit of our listeners what is it you actually can do, Neil? Because you do quite a lot of things. <laughs> I, I do do quite a lot of things. I, I need an acronym. I think it'd be easier to explain it. Or like a lot of forward slashes come in between each like word. Um, I'm very lucky. I get to do an awful lot of stuff in, uh, in games industry and film and TV and whatnot. Um, I am primarily an actor. I'm a performance capture artist, uh, in-game mocap locomotion specialist, a creature specialist, a voiceover artist, and I do stunts and combat as well and uh so a lot of weapon work and a lot of exciting stuff and i got to play like zombies and creatures and also play uh yeah leading roles in full performance which should sometimes include skinning as well so i get to look like the characters so i'm incredibly blessed i got, I got in this um 
quite early on and I've been very lucky to, to be working a long time in this. I also now consult on games and uh, so a performance nice. consultant. I also do performance direction on games now, uh, which is cool. So I also did, um, recently, I, like last year, I think it was, I worked with um, Trailer Farm and on the Borderlands 3 gig with the, the game devs on, on that um, for the uh, Happy Together trailer. So I did the performance directing for, for that trailer, uh, which was, uh, was so much fun. And I've worked with Creative Assembly as a director now as well as a, as a performance director specifically sorry an action director so it was it was great i've really enjoyed starting to do that i have a uh, small production company now which we do um, pre-production coordination planning and um, also consultation and casting for for games and i oh, wow that's um, super cool yeah it was really cool and then we also have an academy so we teach uh, summon actors, gymnast dancers, um, I guess belly dancers as well, puppeteers, anything really. Anybody in performance, we can teach uh, the techniques of performance capture and motion capture. And we have uh, a few new kind of classes that are coming out, uh, obviously when the lockdown is lifted safely, um, that we're going to promote and try and help people just become better performers. We're, we're not teaching people how to be actors or anything like that. We're just teaching how to pe- uh, people how to use their craft they already have in the best possible way and get the most out of their experiences. And also, you know, d- cultivate more versatility, I guess, in this environment, because it's not quite straightforward as in, in what they may have done before. Wow. So you're keeping yourself very, very busy then, basically. Yeah. Actually, weirdly, this is like the first time I've really stopped for longer than two, maybe a week or two weeks, I think, for a very, very long time. So it's nice to be able to spend a bit of time at home, actually. I'm very lucky that I, although I'm still busy, I'm still doing things even even from my home. That's awesome. So how did your journey into all of these things actually begin? Where did you start? Oh, wow. Um, I got into acting through... My mum actually helped me... Um, develop a love of, of theatre and acting and storytelling in that way. Uh, I was a geek. I was a role player. I used to play games back in the 80s, 90s when you didn't play games if you wanted to have a social standing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but I was, always, I was always obsessed with stories and reading. I was a voracious reader. And my mum got me into theatre. She suggested it. And I used to do a bit of ballet and dance. And I was into like very unusual things for the area that I come from. Um, so you off quite eclectic as well then? Pretty eclectic. You know, very much esoteric <laughs> in terms of my taste. Uh, listen to everything from like you know grunge to garage to hip hop to classical music. So I had a very wide appetite for everything yeah. really. Um, and I got into National Youth Theatre, and my teachers Bob Mellowish and uh, Lisa Fair at my school also helped support me in amateur dramatics because nobody else wanted to do it in my school apart from a few people. So I was like in every play that we put on. Um, and uh, from there, I got into National Youth Theatre under the very sadly past uh, Ed Wilson, who was uh, amazing. He like he's truly incredible human being that has started many many of the, the top actors in the business in all different aspects of the business's careers. Um, he was incredible and he was a real leading light and in, in inspiration to a lot of us young actors to, to go into, to think about this as a proper art form, but also as a professional possibility. I was very lucky. I got picked up, um, when I was about 19, 20, no, uh, 2021 by an agent. And I, I actually landed my first couple of films and my first theater gig, pretty quickly um and i studied uh yeah i studied in tv and film and theater um i also trained for a very long time i went four years into method um i've been studying with my friend giles foreman who's actually has been a friend for 20 years but also has an amazing school called giles foreman center of acting um 
in Soho in Los Angeles and in France and Paris as well. So I've been studying with him and Roberta Wallach and Linda Nacquist and, and amazing Lindsay Richardson who does voice and amazing teachers like that for a very long time. I kind of believe in constant training when you're not working. But I also believe there has to be a break in training if 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 you are and are not working as well. So I, I go back into it um, whenever I can, which has been a few years out at the moment, I think. Um, but also, you know, I was lucky to work with such amazing directors and actors and all, all different types of mediums. And I've learned a lot through other people. You know, I've been very grateful for that. I found performance capture 10 years ago. I was basically doing a lot of indie projects. I was broke as hell. <laughs> I was like really not happening, happy, uh, happy doing the other side jobs I had to do. You know, I, I've always worked. I've never been like lazy. But I was just getting very frustrated creatively. Um, yeah. Or like, the great gigs would come and they wouldn't, they wouldn't pay that well or, or the payday would come and it wouldn't be a great gig and all that kind of stuff, right? So I found performance capture. Um, I'm a gamer, massive gamer. I always have been. Nice. And I found um, a, a thing about motion capture in a, in a magazine. It was PC Gamer, I believe it was. And I'd never heard of it before because most people had never heard of it before unless you're in it, um, even gamers. So it was weird. It, the picture looked exactly like theater and film combined to me. And it completely made sense to me in that way. Um, yeah. I don't know why. Just, just something resonated with me. It was like, okay, I, I get that. And I had an audition with Audio Motion Studios who gave me my very first gig. Um, and I nailed that, which was amazing. And I, I got offered um, 30K in Ghost Recon Future Soldier with Ubisoft. And we did a two-week shoot, I think it was. Um, I was working with US Navy SEALs and, and some friends as well, which was cool. And I just started like that. I just, it just suddenly made sense. I stepped into the volume the first time and went, wow, I completely get this. And it wasn't, I'm not being arrogant about, I'm amazing. <laughs> it was more about the thing of like, I understand what this is. I understand what this means and how you could potentially work in this environment. I had a lot of people supporting me, like helping me learn the ropes, the techniques and giving me advice. But also that time you have to understand there was very few of us working regularly in that side of the, in motion capture. And performance capture hadn't even fully developed in the way that it is now either. So there was about, I yeah. don't know, about a dozen of us and maybe only a couple of female actors amongst the dozen that were working on a regular basis then. Um, a lot of most, in fact, I think only maybe one or two of us are still working in performance capture from those days. Um, and there's a couple of female artists uh, that were joined, that joined a couple of years later that were uh, our regulars and the amazing Jessica Jeffries, who's actually now a casting director, who's awesome. Uh, she and I worked for a long time together. Um, and it, it sort of grew from there, really. We, we were doing a lot of work because nobody wanted to touch you with a barge pole. All the actors I spoke to that were broke, none of them wanted to do it. People were telling me from old agents I used to have, like, this will kill your career. And I was thinking, well, wow, this really? is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. People tried to dissuade me massively from doing this work. And I knew in my gut, as, as we all did, that those of us that were doing it, we saw this as the future medium. We saw this as a future... Oh, yeah, Definitely. Future, a new, I actually think it's a new method of acting because of the, the prerequisites are so different from theatre and film and yet so similar. I think it's a new acting form. I really do. And um, I'm very passionate about this as well. And I also have seen a change from when games... Then it was more like the game is the thing, the story is kind of tacked on, whereas now people have an appetite, the audience, the players have an appetite for great character and great story as well as a great game. And I think that's a really wonderful thing as a performer because you get the feeling like, you know, you really are 
really, I mean, I leave my blood on the floor in every job I ever do, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, you know, the, the, it's validated all this stuff. It's an art form. People recognize it as such. They don't just recognize it as a geeky thing that I used to do when I was 14 and couldn't kiss a girl. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> this is truly art because it always has been. It's always been a storytelling medium. Yeah. And now I think a lot like, of us knew that, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, we back then. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And I think it was been, I've been feel very privileged to be on the cusp of a lot of um, the start of, or the relative early start of it. It wasn't the start of it, but it was quite early on in, in how it is now. And also to have so many wonderful opportunities. I get to play characters I would never be cast as in real life. Um, well, some of them possibly, yeah, but a lot of them probably not because of the way I look or the way the character's supposed to look. And, you know, it doesn't matter about what you look like, which is also awesome that it's really about the artist you are as opposed to whether or not you're, you look a certain way because that means it doesn't make a difference yeah, what your background is. And I really think that, you know, the diversity thing is a really important issue and um, it's wicked that we're all championing it. And, you know, we should be normalizing uh, all genders, all ethnic um, differences and wonderful combinations thereof. It's, it's important. Interestingly, in games, it, it's kind of like what you look like isn't the most important thing, which is wonderful because they can skin somebody else on top of you. So you can, anybody can play anybody. Which is yeah, a, it's crazy though, isn't it? When you yeah, think about it's it, crazy. but it's also really lovely because it's like, yeah, it, it is. You no longer like get held back, you know, depending on your, your ethnic background or your skin type, whatever, that's not going to hold you back. You just have to be a good performer. And actually that can, you can do anything. I always find that I always found that the most wonderful thing. I mean, I don't believe in the word race. Racism exists. People, human beings have been horrible to each other for millennia over the differences we have, which is insane. But yeah. it's only one race, man. It's human, human race. That's it. You know, we're all ethnic, um, national, um, cultural uh, differences and variances between us. But there's one race. It's all human. So it's really nice to have been a part of the industry where it didn't matter so much. The issue we had more was about um, the not enough female characters in games at that point. Um, oh, yeah, and that, definitely. You know what I mean? And now it's great because there are so many strong female protagonists and awesome... I should say just female protagonists, if they're strong or not, is like, a you know, that's the character because <laughs> it should be normalized. It should be like, you know, it's a female character or a male character. They happen to be strong. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So it's awesome to see a big change. It's awesome to see everything's moving in the right direction and that um, there are more female actors coming in to play uh, roles. Whereas before that, when I was first doing it, there was only a handful, maybe a couple, if, if there are female actors that could play roles. Um, because there weren't that many female characters in the games. So it's cool. It's, I really love this side of the industry and I'm super passionate about it. Yeah, and I can tell. And that, that passion carries through in all of your performances as well, because obviously Thanks. it's not just Resident Evil 3. You've been in like a million video games now, I think. <laughs> I've actually, I've officially lost count, um, I, which is a really amazing thing for an actor to be able to say about the work. Um, and I've done some amazing projects and I've been a part of even just mocap locomotion shoots in a game that I really liked, uh, as well as the full performance being skinned, you know, for Detroit Become Human or doing the full performance as uh, apes and voice um, in Planet of the Apes Last Frontier or um, doing voiceover for Elite Dangerous or doing voice or doing the whole crazy voiceover for We Happy Few DLC. Which oh, was yeah. Uh, being in Resident Evil 3, which is amazing, being Final Fantasy 15, Kingsglaive playing not only the lead in full performance, but then voicing and playing one of the supporting leads as well. I have to say that's one of the things I found um, I have a niche for, and I'm so blessed because of that, is I tend to do multi-role 
in games, in, in performances, in projects, sorry. Yeah. So I get to play, you know, two or three characters um, and do combat and stunts for some, maybe do full performances for two of them, like Gavin and Kamsky. Um, I even played Dario Rosso, Rosso in um, Resident Evil 3, which I totally forgot about. Until oh, wow. That I did the mocap in, in Japan for that character, whereas the voice um, was Rick Ziff. Rick Ziff? Ziff? I wish Prince Chance the name. He's going to hunt me down and kill him one day. Um, so <laughs> he's the voice because he wasn't there, but I did his body move. So I got to play three characters in our. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, and also a few a whole bunch of zombies, which was really fun. So um, I found that, that that's a wonderful thing for an actor to be able to have that kind of um, variety offered to you. Because if you work hard and you, you train hard at your craft, and actors should train like anybody else, it doesn't make a difference if you go to drum school or do it as I did it, which is over a very long period of time consistently you have to train um, yeah. and you have to take it really seriously. And like I said, you leave your blood on the floor in every performance. But then you get these offers of like, we would like you to do a whole bunch of stuff in this project, which is just mind blowing. And it's so, um, I'm so lucky to be um, off in a position where people offer me that because it makes my creative working life just, just so wonderful. And the voiceover stuff that I do now as well um, is, is amazing. And I'm working on a couple of projects I really can't tell you about. And, um, and on top of that, I get to work with amazing people, like from the actors to directors to the, the games developers and uh, writers. You know, it's, it's been a blast, man. I'm having a ball. Yeah, and you can tell. And like, you're, you're doing amazing stuff, man. And I think it's finally time. I think I've held myself back long enough. It's <laughs> time to talk about Resident Evil 3. Yes! Yes! <laughs> so, Still just bad. for the benefit of our listeners again, yeah. you're not just, well, you already named most of what you did in the game, but as the, yeah. the two kind of bigger roles, I guess, yeah. uh, are obviously Nemesis and Nikolai. Oh, so yeah. the two main bads of the whole game. Big bads. So in terms of what you did for each, so Nikolai, you did motion capture and voice, correct? So technically it's performance capture because we capture face, body, and hands. Um, that's the right. difference from mocap and performance. Mocap is just head, body, uh, with or without voice. Um, so it's performance capture, full performance capture, without the skinning, which was um, um, another model actor, I believe, who was skinned for the look of the character. Yeah. Um, but So I do the voice, performance capture, combat stunts, um, pretty much everything actually for, for Nikolai. And then um, for Nemesis, I did the motion capture movements. And I did voice over reference. I believe one of the game's developers actually voiced the infamous stars lines, which are kind of, you know, you can say in so many different ways. It means so oh, many yeah, things. Of course. Like, oh, I stubbed my toe to stars. Sort of, mm, I'm hungry to stars, which means stars, <laughs> which simply means stars. So, yes. you know, there's a whole bunch of ways you can say that line. And I think he did a great job. Amazing. So, I mean, it's quite interesting to find out the difference between performance capture and motion capture as well. I don't think many people are aware of that. Yeah, it's it, the thing is, um, mocap was the original term. It's the the sort of technical term for what it is. It's motion capture. It also, don't forget, mocap. A lot of all the work in mocap is not just games or film or TV. It's also science and medical. They've been using you know biometric stuff for a very long time. It's super useful and very effective. So mocap was the original term, and then as it as the sort of performances need to be more nuanced, and most importantly, the software. 
and the detail, the graphical detail of um, capture became much better, you know, nuance and less theatrical, more realistic, um, naturalistic movements were actually more, um, more interesting than having the slightly bigger movements, which we used to have to do a lot of. Whereas now you can sort of split the difference between it. You aim for realism and sometimes you have to make it slightly bigger than, than you would do on film, for instance. More theatrical in that way. But you can have, and I mean, I always think like, um, I always say to people, move like theatre um, and uh, speak like film. So, um, it, or think like film, I guess, is why. <laughs> move like theatre, <laughs> like think like film. So, you, you know, the movements can be slightly bigger, but the intention and the delivery and all that stuff can be as intricate and as detailed and as nuanced as film work. Because you're dealing in performance capture with a wide shot of the entire playing area and yeah. also close up because you have a fixed head mounted camera and HMC on your head. So you, you're, you're never not on in the volume. I actually think it's one of the, one of the most, one of the kind of weirdly purest ways of performing one's craft because like theater, you're never, when you're on stage, you're on stage the whole time. You're never not doing anything. Yeah, of course. And even if you're quote unquote left the scene, you know, you could actually, some movements could still be captured for another scene. They could be cannibalized and taken out of one scene and put into another, or they could be looped, or you might have an activity that's separate to the scene that's going on, but they want to capture at the same time. I mean, you know, you fill in the background characters to your own scene. It's really wild. It's like four dimensions, man. It's not just like thinking about time and space. It's also about parallel universes of performance. <laughs> that's kind oh, of yeah, and you've got to have in your head what's actually happening in the game, even though it's not ready yet. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I once, um, and also like theatre, there's very, there's not always that many props around. There'll be important props that you're using, or of there'll course, be environment, yeah. but they won't necessarily be. You won't see apart from artwork, or maybe if you're lucky, kind of previous uh, render. It's not going to be. It's going to be like grey boxes and stuff, but you get an idea of it. You need to have a lot of imagination with artwork as well, and. There's a lot of stuff you can ask for, and, and actually, uh, devs are very, very good at giving you a lot of material, especially if you ask for more than they might realize you need. But they're, they're actually getting very wise to what actors can, uh, can, and will need yeah. um, to help the performances. Yeah. So, tell me about how you first got involved. Um, how did you kind of get to audition as, as Nemesis and Nikolai, or did someone hear about you from word of mouth? Yeah, I get it. I'm very lucky. I get a lot of work through kind of word of mouth and having worked with some people before and, you know, doing a good job. I mean, um, the one thing I'd give advice to all young performers is be professional, like take your work super seriously, have loads of fun, but when it's time to work, know it's time to work. And I think, um, I have a, I, you know, I have a very good, rep um, a very good, uh, relationship with Steve Knebley, who was the director on Planet of the Apes Last Frontier. He and I worked together on, um, Planet of the Apes Crisis. Um, and he, he and I have a friendship as well. However, that doesn't mean I get a free pass. He, he knew me as an actor incredibly well. And he know, he knew that he wanted to put me in the mix for Nikolai. I still had to get my ass to the States. Um, I was in a job on the UK, in the UK. I had like a four day window. <laughs> so I had to leave the job, run to the airport, fly to Los Angeles, touch down, a day later, do the audition. A day after that, do a recall and also help um, with the other actors' recalls and then immediately fly back to start the gig again. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, it was a bit like, you when do you want me to come out to LA? Really? Okay, I think okay, I can do that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I can do so, that. 
Yeah. So and also, you know, I, I mean, they said, "Oh, don't worry about coming." He's like, "No, fuck that. I want to come out." So, um, so it was great. It was really cool, and uh, he got me in the mix. And obviously, it's not just his decision; it was also the Capcom team's decision. So importantly, um, there is no free pass in this. You you have oh, to work. Of course, yeah. And I never assume um, I'm going to get something just because I know somebody or I've worked with somebody before. That's ludicrous. No, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously I did a good enough job to convince them to, to let me play uh, the character, which was great. But Nemesis, I didn't know I was going to play until we got to Japan. No way. Yeah, that was never on the cards. Um, we, we sort of got there and discussions were held. And I think it's, again, because... Um, because of my relationship, especially because of the creature work that I did, um, Planet of the Apes, with um, with Steve, um, that he knew that I was capable of it. And, you know, I appreciate the trust and the faith he always has in me uh, to do these nuts roles. And I, I really, you know, love him for that, that he's an actor's director. And, uh, yeah, he, he had a conversation with them. They were all cool about it. So, yeah, I even got to bring my arm extensions out on the second shoot to try and do as much of the transformation as possible. There's not a huge amount you can do. <laughs> it's only so far you can... I've got one uh, one video of me doing one of the arm extension stuff for, for Nemesis, which I'll try and post. But yeah, after a certain point of uh, mutation, apparently the human body can't do that. So <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, looking at what he finally mutates into, I just, I think it's just slightly out of your range. Ben. Oh no, that was me. That was me. I was talking about the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously that is not me. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so that's how I got into it. But interestingly, uh, as a side note to that, I met Nicole Tompkins and Jeff Shine at the audition. I met them independently and then all three of us met the recall again. And it was just something about all of us. We just, we just clicked. Um, and I have to say, I've gone on record saying this, it's absolutely true. We didn't have a bad day on the shoot, not a single, I mean, there were challenging days physically, but all of them were glorious. We had really, really good days. Um, even nice. in between the shoot, we were hanging out the whole time. We got to scoot around Tokyo together as well um, and explore Tokyo, which was incredible. And yeah, it was a, they're, they're incredible actors. They're very generous. They're very hardworking. They're real fun. And they have um, great instincts and great ideas. And so for me, that's all I, you know, it's what I dream of in any cast is to have people that are up for it, people that know their shit, and also people that are great. They're just fun people to be around. And Steve Knebley is an actor's director, as I've already said that. He was, he was amazing helping us. Then we had Bill Hope, who I've also worked with before, who's extraordinarily, um, he's an extraordinary person and a great, wonderfully detailed, intricate actor. If people haven't seen his overkill character in, I think it was in like the advert for Walking Dead Overkill. His stuff in the car when he's playing this old guy, sitting in the car talking to, to whomever it is. Oh, I've not seen that. Oh my God, you have to see it. It's, it's, yeah. it's genius. It's so well done. And he's a beautiful actor to watch. So to play with him, it's familiar to me, but also just so much fun as it was the first time I met him. Uh, we met Darren O'Hare, which was lovely. Um, Todd Habercorn, I've actually become friends with um, for another reason oh, nice. which I'm going to go into because um, I can't <laughs> tell that either. Um, <laughs> I didn't know Todd when I shot him in the head. So Jeff was playing Todd's character mocap because uh, we couldn't fly Todd over for just like half a day. It was just something yeah. It's like a very long way to, from LA to Japan. Um, so yeah, I shot Jeff in the head. So that was and, and nice. there you go. <laughs> indirectly shot Todd in the head. So I don't know why this brings me great happiness and warmth. Uh, obviously, it's fictional. I don't recommend anybody ever doing that. It's not cool. <laughs> but in this fictional virtual circumstance, it was kind of fun. Yeah. 
No, it sounds awesome, man. And I, I had to ask as well, like it must've been so fun playing the bad guys, but like, how did you, how did you do it? Were you filming like all of Nikolai's roles, then all of Nemesis, or did you have to switch between the two? And was it like a bit of a challenge when you had to go from one mindset to the other? Um, so the shooting is, was not strictly chronological, but they felt as, I think it was my kind of, a kind of like a chapter rhythm to it. So it helped a lot of us kind of work out where we're going without too much. Cause sometimes, you know, um, schedules can be so all over the place. It of can course, be very yeah. discombobulating and, and that's the, obviously a technique that actors have to learn. Um, but for this, we were kind of reasonably chronological to a point which helps. Um, we were just shooting, so I was shooting Nemesis or Nikolai, you know, going backwards and forwards. Um, I didn't mind that too much. They're such wildly different animals that for me, once I have an understanding of the character, once I'm in the character's skin and my instrument is resonating with that character, then switching between characters is second nature to me. Again, I'm, I'm a multi-role actor and performer in performance capture. Yeah, of course. So this is not a new thing um, for me. So I'm lucky that I've had a lot of experience. In fact, I did um, uh, Zombie Army Trilogy, uh, the last, I think it was the last iteration of that, before the, before the fourth one, um, the third one. I had to play all four main characters in all the cutscenes and i had to ghost my own oh, wow. performance yeah i call it i mean i nicknamed it ghosting because it's like i have to ghost myself for three times from the original performance and there's one bit in the cable car where all four of my characters step through a very narrow door yeah and i had to go fight not only are they so different physically but also there's timing issue and I've already done it. So each time we're having to map where we, it's a nightmare. Um, oh, wow. thank, thank you for all the developers who helped tidy up my performance on that. Um, so yeah, for me, switching between them is not tricky. It was kind of more, it was actually more fun because I get to change the rhythm and break, break a rhythm. You know, if you're in a character the whole day long or doing scenes, sometimes it can feel a little bit similar because there's an arc to it. Um, it's nice to break that up. So for me, it was great because I got to like refresh and recharge in the skin of one of the others. Um, plus I was doing zombie stuff in the middle as well. And like I said, playing uh, Dario's character. So I had a lot of bites of that cake. It was very... Was yeah, cool. like you, you're quite a large part of Resident Evil 3, basically. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, and I have to ask about one of my favorite Nikolai moments as well. Sure thing. Um, now I'm going to ask this in a spoiler-free way, don't worry. Um, there is a specific scene where Nikolai shuts the door and winks at Jill through oh, yeah. the window. Okay. Um, so I won't say any more to avoid spoilers, but I was curious just with how I loved that moment and it was so natural. Did you wink yourself or did they add that in or? You know, you know I did, Sam. <laughs> I, I know you did. So. Um, yeah, I've got to say on this point, um, Steve, uh, Miguel Corti from Capcom um, and, and the whole Capcom team, actually, they were very, very cool with letting us uh, rift and play organic moments on our characters. So there's lots of mannerisms I bring to characters that I choose obviously beforehand and rehearse and build in naturally to a performance because for, for whatever reason, I, uh, I want to include them to support a character uh, as I see them. Um, and so there's definitely a lot of casual fun that Nikolai has with the worst situations because that's kind of what he's like. He's sort of, yeah. he's most alive in these situations. So a lot of those things, those little incidentals were never necessarily written into, into the script. A lot of them come from the moment when you think, I'm going to do this now because it feels good. <laughs> so, yeah, and it feels natural. You know? Yeah, for the character, obviously not for me. It feels good for the character to do that. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, a lot of those things. In fact, there's one delivery of a line that we radically, 
we radically changed from where the sort of direct, the script note was. And we made it, I wanted to make it very heart, kind of almost like a heartfelt uh, warning to Carlos's character, because I think he genuinely admires his character for being a survivor too. Yeah. And it was, um, she'll get you killed. She'll get you killed. There's that line. And I just remember thinking that it was important to show that he's capable of something close to friendship or at least comradeship. Yeah, he's not um, just pure, solid, emotionless. He's not just the villain. He's, and in fact, he's not emotionless at all. He's quite the opposite. He's probably one of the most alive people in that group. He's completely at ease with, with the person that he he is and what he wants. And I think more than some of the characters who are really in quite denial about what's going on, he's completely alive. Yeah, so like, I know what this is. So Yeah, this yeah is I know what, what this is. Do. I know I'm going to do. I know I'm going to get it and I'm going to have fun along the way. Because if you go and take fun in your job, then, you know, what's the point? <laughs> if you, Even if you work for UBCS. Same, if you can't have a bit of fun in your work, then, you know, wasted time. <laughs> yes. It's not just about the money. <laughs> okay, so, it's know, mostly about the money. Like money. <laughs> I like money. Do you like money, Sam? You know, shit like that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it was like, yeah, let's just play. <laughs> yeah, Plus, man. Man, Nicole did such an amazing job as Jill. I mean, such an amazing job. I'm also so like, good. I'm also like, the performance is on her, man. <laughs> she's she's the lead in this thing. I'm not the lead. I get to play. <laughs> I'm not worried, right? <laughs> you, know, you just get to have the fun. That's I the, the fun, bag, guys. Well, I like playing the bag. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a classic British, you know, person playing the villain, even when he's not British. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky I get to play Americans a lot as well, which I love. I love um, jumping into different cultural rhythms. I find it very, um, very rewarding as a human being. And, and also, I have a love of travel anyway. I'm constantly, uh, I'm either at home with my family or I'm constantly traveling in between uh, that and work. It's just, I love seeing the planet. I love being a part of this wonderful world of humans and this terrible world of humans as well. You know, it's, it's both. Yeah, there's two sides to the coin, so. Sadly, yeah. But with it, um, I'm curious, with it being a remake, the reimagining, we'll say. Yeah. Um, so did you even look at the originals or think about the originals or was it all focused on the new perspective? The yeah, new I, I, didn't, I didn't look at the originals once. I looked at a still of the original character from three when I played it like I used to play them back in the 90s I was shit at them I was so terrible <laughs> it was like constantly getting hammered by Mr. X or like by Nemesis I was like the fuck yeah Nemesis so, was the hardest one for me man. Oh, like, I emotionally gave up on the game it, 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 in fact it gave up on me <laughs> <laughs> it just turned itself off it, it just like, turned itself off it's like you know what man this relationship is not working with you. Let's just call it grits and drop your controller now and walk out the door. Um, so leave your controller. Yeah. <laughs> so so, um, so uh, for me, I, I never, I haven't often remade, uh, sort of done a reimagining or, re, or re, remake of a character that's already gone before. I think I have a few times. Um, I definitely have a few times. But I try not to look at the previous performance um, because that was that actor's take. Obviously, there's going to be certain things, especially for Nemesis, which are going to be very specific to the developers and what their and the director and what their vision is. But by and large, I don't want to run the risk of falling into a rhythm that isn't really doesn't really resonate with me. And yeah, so, 
the script is the most important thing with the background information that you're given and of course the overriding vision of the director and of the development team that's the most important stuff um art direction comes into that etc um and i think for me as an artist i i kind of need to even if you're working on the you know the outside movement going inwards it's sort of it's just always more authentic when it's your version your vision as well as their vision of who the character is rather than going oh that guy did that thing that one time it was really cool i better do that too because then I think it just that that moment will read false. And also it won't be anywhere near as cool as the original person that played that role. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So for me, it was always like, well, how do I see the character? What's interesting to me as an actor, how, as a storyteller, how do I want to create this person now in these set of circumstances? And what is fun that maybe haven't been thought about, but would occur to me, you know? And um, if there's crossovers, of course, it's happy accents, or it's because the writing is so good and the, the story is so strong anyway. But uh, hopefully I, I bring my own take, which I think is important. It's like... Um, so many, like so many Batmans. In fact, let's do Batman. So many Batmans. And uh, each Batman is different and unique to the actor's take on that character. The character is very strong. The, the givens, the character is very set and strong. It's, it's a huge yeah. canon law to it. But each one's slightly different because that's how it should be. You know, you should bring your own thing to it. And yeah, they'll bring their own kind of benefits of it being them if yeah. you them. It's like James Bond, isn't it? Each one is completely different. And um, the, I think that's important for any actor. If you are going to remake a character that's gone before, then you try not to, to watch the other people's performances. Try and make it your own first. Because the development team, the director, producers, whomever, the writers, obviously, they'll have their, their take on the character as well, obviously. And if they want you to steer towards um, close to the vision they have, they'll, of course, they'll do that when you, when you start shooting. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll help you tailor it towards that. But, but start with your own choice first, man, for sure. Yeah, always. And speaking of all this, did you have a favorite scene or moment in the game, whether you're playing Nemesis or, I mean, Nemesis must have been so much fun anyway, but no, Nemesis playing Nemesis or Nikolai. Silly, man. Nemesis <laughs> so much. I really liked like throwing the guy from the train. That was really fun. Oh, that was, yeah. That was just so effort. Could we start with this big gesture I was going to make? where I was just going to grab the dude and hurl him. And I was like, no, 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 no. Make it really casual. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, let's just toss him like you're tossing a chicken wing. I was like, yeah, as if it's nothing. <laughs> just be like, <laughs> so like, you know, so there was things like that, which were just super fun to do. Cause it was just silly. Um, and it was really, I, I love, I'm a very physical actor anyway. I like, uh, the physical stuff. Uh, the fight we did at the end was kind of fun with Carlos and myself. Uh, we blended it with some of the stunt team that also did some of the full-on fight because with HMCs, there's only so much you can do before you break the HMC. Yeah, of course. Uh, so <laughs> you can only do so much combat. Yeah, I mean, I've done like butterfly kicks and flips in HMC and staff movements. Oh, and damn. Work. That is yeah, we, like... Oh, it's cool. a sword work. And risky. Well, not when you know what you're doing. So we did a lot of stuff like that. that. Yeah. But but there's a limit to what is safe because if you break it, a, it's 20 grand or whatever. And oh, also, yeah. you, you know, these things can jab you in the face or spike you. And oh, yeah, it's all in front of your face, isn't it? Yeah, man. It's not great. It's <laughs> a double. And also, the wonderful thing about playing the stuff that we play, there's five actors can play one role. You can have somebody voicing, somebody skinning, somebody doing the mocap locomotion, somebody doing combat and stunts that specialize, somebody doing yeah. performance. You know, you can have five people do one role. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, so, so the, you know, the, that kind of stuff was really fun. Um, so Nikolai, yeah, there was, there was some really fun moments. I really liked his entrance a lot. Um, cause the first yeah. time you see him, he just shoots a dude in the head and he's really, and he's really matter of fact about it. He's really logical and he was infected, you know, it's like, obviously, oh, I it's brilliant. Dead, it's you like, know. Duh. Infected. Kill him. 
And also the, the line that really stood out for me when I read the script the first time was, where does your sense of self-preservation? That really unlocked his character for me because it was like, that's one of his best virtues. So that's one of his yeah. ethoses in life. And he's like, you're a bit of an idiot. Like, we're going to have to survive this. We can't be all emotional about every person that gets infected. Come on. Yeah, neither can he trust it. I mean, he says, you know, go back to the subway station. It's like, he's actually not saying literally go to the subway station, I don't think. Or he's no. saying, He's just saying, get the fuck out of here because you're a liability. Yeah, so when he's he, like, get away from me. Yeah, so when you see, because oh, some people have pulled me up on this, like, why, why is he so surprised? He told her, he's like, well, he wasn't really telling you, he was just telling her to get the fuck, fuck out of here. And, yeah. I think, and he didn't, I think he expected her to be with the civilians oh, that have already been shipped out at that moment. So to answer any fans' questions, that's why he seems surprised when she's still at the subway station. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doing here? It's like, well, because, you know, why the fuck she should be here? Is that's the, just if anybody's curious, that was the thought process. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, there was many moments like that. I really enjoyed the cat and mouse between Jill and I. There's some wonderful moments. I think when I was standing on her feet, I got a lot of... I got a lot of sense of, of satisfaction out of that scene. It was so much fun. Oh, and man. Yeah, I said to Nicole, I wish I could see so much of the B-roll from oh, some man. of that footage. Oh, I included an outtake um, from the, the fight sequence, which was, because uh, Jill has to make a decision to shoot us or shoot somebody or something, or yeah. not shoot somebody. And we did a take, which the pause between when we were struggling to when Jill's supposed to make a decision was quite long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I may have come out with something like, really, bitch? <laughs> but still is alive. Nicole laughed her ass off. I, we, all, I, we, we laughed about it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it was, it was an angry moment. It was just ridiculous. So, yeah, it was very yeah. um, so things like that that, we, that most people will never see, they were kind of like the favorite moments, if that makes sense. Um, the yeah, favorite scenes, Stephanie's entrance was cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's like a badass entrance as well, isn't it? It's pretty like, fucking going. Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, I always accept that my digital avatar is way cooler than I am in real life. So, like, you know, it's like it's like you holding the Fonz's jacket, and the Fonz gets to do something, <laughs> and then at the end, but you know, deep down inside, the Fonz, once he's finished his cool thing, is going to ask for his jacket back. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and you're the little guy going, "Hey, get Fonz, that's cool." And, you know, and then the Fonz walks out there with you know whomever on his arms, and you're just standing there alone. So, so it's sort of like. This is the metaphor for your life. Yeah, yeah this is how I view my dish avatars. They are so much cooler than I am in real life. And that's kind of cool. I get to hold their jacket for a while. <laughs> oh, wow. Definitely. And would you say there was anything that was uh, like the biggest challenge of performing as Nemesis or Nikolai? I think every role is challenging because if you want to do it well and right, I don't think it's difficult if that's kind of what you mean by that. Um, it wasn't hard. It was just hard work, which I love. I'm a workaholic. I mean, I absolutely adore what I do. Um, I think the nuance of Nemesis was at first uh, a real balancing act for all of us because it was it took the input of Capcom, Steve, and myself all working together to be very, very careful to make it as realistic as one can with a you know nine foot monster who, who mutates and turns into an even bigger monster. We still wanted to keep. We about that happens every week. Well, it does happen every week, but not often, like in my area. So, it's like, <laughs> see that many mutated alien objects, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, it was. It, we really wanted to find the balance of making it economical, but not like dull and not you know not disinterested. Always still engaged and active. Even yeah, think about acting, man. That even if you're standing still, you're still doing something. You're still engaged. Yeah, no, of course. You're, yeah, not you're still anything. acting. Yeah, you're still alive in the moment. So I think with Nemesis, the trick was always to be economical, 
to find this the characteristics of this horrible, horrendous nightmare creature and make it truly terrifying whilst not going to big theatrics and not doing too much that would actually make it seem a bit ridiculous. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm biased, so I'm not a very good person to talk about judging our own successes or opinion or anything. That's the audience. But I hope that the feeling I had on set was that we were getting it right. Um, I hope the audience agree with us because that would be great to know that people have been, had had shock jump scares and all that kind of stuff. And have well, been slightly terrified. I think you nailed it. So, Oh, cool. Okay. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. And that's the only opinion that matters, obviously. Like, Sam, yeah, need to ask sure. anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Give me the thumbs up. I feel good about myself again. Thank you. Um, so it was, yeah, I'm, I'm really um, I'm really happy to hear that, man. So thank you very much. No worries. I thoroughly enjoyed your performance in it. Thanks, dude. And I think there's something else that's worth saying. Um, I never view my characters as villains. They're never the bad guy for me. Um, I love my characters. And I always try and find the interesting positive stuff to play as opposed to playing them with judgment. Because I yeah. think the audience is there to judge and make decision and pass judgment on the morals and the ethics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We are simply there to play in fictional truth for characters uh life um and i think you can't do that if you start i think actors should never think about villains or heroes they should just think about this is the person this is what they do this is who they are and these are things they could do or might do and you know can yeah. do and such well i mean because you know? ultimately um and people are going to laugh at me for saying this nemesis isn't evil no, not at all even he's you know he's a biologically engineered weapon dude who, yeah probably used to be human i mean definitely used to be human you yeah know, he definitely used to be a guy or a, well i assume a guy i mean you can't tell once they've been distorted that much but um you know like he doesn't he have been a thing grocer a librarian do you know what i mean yeah he could be it could be the pope you know it could have been the pope. <laughs> dude he was the pope that's why they had such a fast turnaround they were, okay makes sense now was, but you know what pope. i mean so he's not inherently evil he doesn't technically have a concept of good or bad he just has been programmed to do this mission i mean i view him as I very, view very much as a you know the creature intellect of the, the the law of the jungle well the law of nature is not moral it just is yeah. I, um you know i think the second you start like start owning the uh, bad guy thing and i think it does start making your choices as an actor more limited because then you're not really viewing them as a three-dimensional person or entity you're sort of seeing them as a bit of shtick or, or as purely a, a plot device in some respects and i think even the smallest character we play in motion capture there's not always a huge amount of time to develop a huge character for locomotion and blah 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 but you can still go some way to making it feel real and i think yeah, that's, of course. I mean, that's the techniques we teach in the academy as well is how to access quickly something that's authentic and true and not just like playing a shtick or just miming movements you've seen somebody else do or what have you you know really try to get to the source of creativity yeah that's awesome that's really really insightful as well so all this stuff that you know now right yeah. you, i mean you've you've learned about so much throughout your career yeah i've been lucky um i picked up a lot of skills before i became an actor as well um and i know like military stuff and archery and some basic gymnastics and all this kind of stuff martial arts you know was before i became an actor or at least as i was becoming one i guess so yeah, yeah, yeah. i had these crazy weird skill sets um before i even entered into this realm and um but i've been very fortunate that i think i've been because i've been diligent as well and i think all 
the reason I mentioned that is not because again, how amazing I am or anything like that. Just to, to reiterate the point that success is not overnight. Success is not, look at that guy, let's put him in this thing and suddenly you're a huge fucking megastar. It takes time, effort and work. Even if somebody has done a relatively small amount of work and has a great big break, I would bet that that person who sustains the role after that break, sustains the work after that break, has put in the time and still is putting in the time to. Oh learn yeah, you don't get to phone it in once you make it big. You know. No, but even before then, even if you don't have quote unquote a huge, amazing, successful career, blah blah blah, whatever, you know, you still have to work, man. Even the smallest role. If you take the gig, you take the money then you owe that. And I think um, I've always been blessed with a great sense of hard work, which comes from, comes from my old man. Uh, my dad is, is, in, in, is very, very good at what he does. And I watched him for a long time, kind of more as a professional, sometimes in a, you know, um, watching him as a dad, I guess. So <laughs> it's more like, you know, I saw how hard he worked and how much he loves what he does. And I think for me, it was always inspiring as a kid to go, cool. That's the lesson I'll take from my dad, that, you know, you, if you love something, then you throw yourself at it completely, work hard and develop it as a passion and also always be grateful for it. Like never assume you're going to be doing this, that and the other. Always assume each, each job is a gift. Each job is a new opportunity to do even better work, no matter how, if it's one day or a year, you know, some of our gigs are literally three days long or one day long. Um, some yeah, of them of are like Kingsclave a year long or like uh, some of the jobs I've been doing recently, a couple of months or a month shooting back to back or whatever. I think Resident Evil 3 was two shoots of uh, two weeks. It was like a month in the volume in Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, these jobs, are, you know, from the smallest ones to the bigger ones, they should be treated by the actor the same. And you yeah, should, 100%. Uh, you know, I know this, uh, this is all kind of common sense, I think, I feel. Like, this is something I don't necessarily know if I have to say, but it does surprise me sometimes with people's, um, I'm not just talking about my industry, I'm talking about many people on the planet, a sense of entitlement um, about many things. Yeah. And I think, I think we have to be grateful. I truly grateful, not just say we're grateful and, you know, say thank you and stuff without sincerity, but to be truly grateful for opportunities because then you can enjoy them and you feel really blessed by them, you know? I think people can sometimes lose sight um, after things happen throughout their career or their life, you know? Yeah. So sometimes people can get disheartened by the amount of rejection or they can get disheartened by their oh, uh, length of a job or, yeah, you know, I, and so sometimes they lose sight of these common sense things that are really good to remind ourselves of. It's a daily practice. And I think the daily practice of gratefulness is, is really about remembering when you didn't have it. Um, yeah, I, I crashed and burned in almost every drama class I ever took for the first five years. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I made every mistake you could possibly make. I did some of the work I did. I look thinking back on how the work, um, I was offering up during some of those classes. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> and like <laughs> now I'd be sitting there going, what the fuck is he doing? What is he thinking? Jesus Christ, stop masturbating on stage. It's like, you know, it was just <laughs> awful, awful work. Um, and I did it and I owned it. <laughs> and nice. I listened to the teachers that were giving me good work. And uh, I mean, it didn't last, but it hasn't been the whole time I've been training. Like every time I go into it, I just destroy everything. It was just, but it was just so spectacularly wrong. So, so often that it, it actually helped me a lot by realizing that this stuff is not about me trying to play a character. This is just about other shit that's just banding around. Or, or this is about me wanting to be good or trying to prove how fucking incredible or whatever the bullshit is, right? And yeah. so once I got that out of my system um, after many years, I realized that actually, you know, the stuff about wanting to be good and wanting to be 
you know, seen as being incredible. It's kind of ego bullshit. None of it had a place in the work um, at all. And actually performance capture, especially mocap, like nobody knows, nobody knew who the fuck I was for years. I was in all these big games. Nobody knew who the fuck I was. And that was great because it was never about the ego. (laughs) It was never about... Nobody ever walked down the street and went, hey, 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 you, um, I saw you from across the road. The way your hips move and the way your ass hangs, you're that guy from that game. And you're like, oh, yes, I am. I, thank you for checking you out my hips. You like a nine foot tall monster. I know that. I never told you that. Dude does this. Like, nobody ever did that. So not once did I get stopped. Are you the guy with the big hands? And like, <laughs> the guy that jumps and does a shady thing. Nobody ever did that. And I think that was a really nice, humbling, again, another humbling, grounding thing um, to be working a lot in motion capture at the time um, and not have an ego, a sense, a false sense of ego um, was yeah. super valuable because then it's like just about the work and having fun and working with great people that you you, you come to love and hopefully get like to work again. Be. Like it should be, man. Yeah. And, you know, now it's, I'm very grateful to people, the communities of the games I'm doing that show interest in my work. Um, it's nice to see people's messages on social media. Um, I, you know, if I don't know people, I don't respond to them personally as such because I think it's important to be fair to everybody. Um, that it's, it's kind of, but, but I do read everything and I do see everything. So I, I do, I'm very grateful for people's interest in my work and the, the stories I try and tell with other people. So I'm very, I'm very blessed with that. But yeah, I think criticism can be a double-edged sword sometimes. So I think you have to yeah, be very course, careful yeah. of all that stuff. You know, I don't, I don't read, I don't mind. Don't read the YouTube comments, man. I don't care. <laughs> I can say all kinds of horrible stuff about my work, but it men- means they have a reaction to it. So from yeah. my point of view, it's like, wow, you really fucking hated that guy. Great. I've done my job. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Well, <laughs> no, he thinks he's the most disgusting human being on the planet. Should be shot into the sun with a cannon. Great, fantastic, exactly what I was aiming for when I did that scene. Cool, thank nice. you. <laughs> so I'm not worried about criticism. People, I mean, I've also got you know I've been rejected. Like we talked about the rejection earlier. The number of auditions that were never mine to begin with that I didn't get. Yes, because <laughs> you walk into an audition, it's not yours. You're, the, the audition is the job. I always tell people the think about the audition as the gig. That's the performance. If you get the gig beyond that, that's just like a huge bonus. So, so I never, I got out of that headspace of like losing this or losing that or not worrying about, am I good or not? It was like, you know, they they got you in the room. They think you're good enough, man. You know, if you're there in front of them, if you're self-taping, they think you're good enough. Just do your fucking work. And um, with the Academy, I try and teach a lot of young performers or older performers, in fact, Um, if they, if they seem to be struggling with that, they just have to remember this, that, it's about what your take on the character is. And it may not be what they want. It might surprise them. It may not just fit with what they're trying to do. It ain't about you. It's just your work, you know? It's tough for actors. You know this, Sam. I mean, you know, you're a voice artist, man. You know exactly how this feels. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough gig, right? I mean, you have to take, um, as you say, you have to accept the audition as the work. Yeah. You know, you can't just go into anything assuming that you're the best for the job or thinking that like you can nail it better than anyone else. You just go in with the interpretation of the character that you have, that you bring to the table. And if it's not right for them, it's not right for them. And it's still not going to be the final piece. It's still not no, going to be how the final character is going to be shown. We know, you know, those of us that have gone through rejection a lot, you learn that. <laughs> or you go mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's possibly be, but it's been like oh, 10 auditions. Why not? <laughs> so Einstein said, no, is it Einstein? yeah, to, to repeat a thing over and over expecting a different result is a sign of madness or something. That's powerful. Yeah, that's the definition that's of insanity. Definition yeah. Of insanity. Yeah. So um yeah, man. Yeah, it's not always you, dudes.
Um, yeah. <laughs> I just talk a lot, you know this. So, no, so I like I'm... it. I like it. Um, so actually, before my final question, it's more of a comment, really, yep. uh, that has amused me this whole time. Because <laughs> people are going to come to this interview and they're going to be like, oh, voice, voice of Nikolai and performance capture of, of Nemesis and Nikolai. Man, I can't wait to see you know, to hear this guy. And then it's going to be one of the nicest guys they've ever heard. Just being like, <laughs> hello, I'm Neil Newborn. <laughs> I used to be I, a librarian. I, I came here for uh, Nemesis. Um, he, he sounds like a really nice British man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I actually, I, I'm very grateful, actually. I get that a lot. Um, people get very disappointed when they meet me. <laughs> I, I quite enjoy the fact that, I, again, it comes back to, I get given roles that I may or may not get in any other medium, you know, like, Oh yeah, I get to play these wonderful weird roles. I'm like character. Basically, I get to do a lot of character work, which I'm hugely uh, grateful for, and I really appreciate all the developers and directors that have given me chances on these wild characters because, you know, um, it really helps me as um, as an actor, as a, as a craftsman, to to try these things that really require a, me to do what I ought not to do, if yeah. that makes sense in terms of breaking habits, breaking rhythms. And I, I love the work. It's so cool. And I think when people meet me and go, oh, no, you're not like that person. Oh, I thought, I thought you'd be more American. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, not, you're not really Russian. You know, actually, you don't look particularly dangerous. Either. It's like, yeah, you look cool. quite harmless and nice, you know. You quite, <laughs> like ineffectual. <laughs> so disappointed. Kids, don't look at the weak man. <laughs> Just he's not, on he's his not, jacket back, he man. He's his jacket back. Um, yeah, I mean, that's cool. You know, I used to, I played a footballer once and the disappointment levels from young kids that come up to me and try to play football with me during that time I did that job was so, so incredibly, I crushed so many people's childhoods. It was, it was great. I hate <laughs> you it. loved yeah, it. I, I don't like football. I'm not a football fan at all. Yeah, I'm not either, I have to admit. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's a great part of my job when people uh, do come up to you. And I'm, I, I, I feel very, very honored. Um, I hope I make time for everybody that does do that because it is really lovely to for somebody to take time in their lives to say thanks or I hated your character or I had such a fun experience or what have you. Um, and I'm so disappointed to meet you at the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, I like the fact I've, I've had this very wide smorgasbord of characters over the years. It's a real blessing. Well, I have to say it's been a pleasure to have met you and interview you. So oh, Sam, it's so yeah. nice to speak to you again. I have missed you a lot, buddy. So yeah, nice to speak to you, sir. Yeah, especially under the current circumstances. And I, I only have one question left, which is always a really interesting one because it's either very short yeah. <laughs> or can actually have some answers to it. <laughs> so, you know me, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also know the industry. So all right, what can you tell us? about the future and what lies in store for you now project-wise oh the question that that question the question that I, you know i can't yeah. answer so the um, infamous question the infamous question um i can sort of allude to some things i guess uh, there's a very very big uh AAA rpg that i'm doing i'm voicing uh, one of the one of the characters in which i am having an absolute ball doing and i can't wait to tell you more about it because it's going to be a phenomenal game um that's like a two-year gig for me so it's a long it's a long a long job that i'm doing in between everything um but i'm super excited about this character i'm super excited about the writing is amazing the, the the actual company is fantastic so when i can talk about that i will let you know um there's a very oh, big nice. gig i did in hungary which was like a five-month shoot for this 
epic, huge, incredible adventure, which again, I can't talk about. <laughs> so I'll let you know about that. When it You're already doing really well, by the way, about Thank things you. you can't talk about. You. <laughs> Thank you. It's a tightrope here, folks. So the Fonz is, is hanging on to my shoulders and I'm tightroping underneath him. Um, so uh, we're at, so that's Hungary. Uh, that's an amazing gig. That's like that's like the dream come true kind of thing. Um, there was a gig I'm shooting in LA, which I think is still ongoing next year, which has been like to meet and work with so many cool people was just a joy. Um, I started directing, like I said, the Happy Together Borderlands 3 trailer. I, I performance directed that with Trailer Farm and with um, obviously the company as well. And that was yeah. really fun. I did stuff with Creative Assembly on Three Kingdoms. So I've been directing now more, which I'm really enjoying that too. Um, it, there's lots of things that are going on that I, I really want to talk about. I can't because I've got to honor the NDA, but they're all like exciting. Even the sm smaller indie stuff to the bigger um, to the bigger AAA stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. They all have this great sense of like collaboration and they're really exciting projects. So I feel incredibly fucking lucky to be a working actor and a working, um, a working performer and artist. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's amazing. There's a lot of stuff that I will tell you about when I can. And uh, the upside of you having so much you can't talk about <laughs> is that you just have to come back on the show at some point, right? Exactly. So, right. So, you know, Win-win. Um, yeah, win-win, man. Win-win. <laughs> if, that, if that's cool, you might go back through all this and go, wow, he took so long to stop going back. <laughs> just ask him to write out a form or something next time. <laughs> yeah, just put a tweet out next time, man. Just, just, just fucking tweet it, Neil. That's all right. Here's the question. Just tweet it. Don't worry about going back to us. It's cool. I'll just have a live stream and walk away. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Would that work? Yeah, let's not do that. It's fine. It's going to be a terrible, terrible <laughs> test. That theory. Unleash my, my inner monologues. My, I see I monologue like a villain, man. I realize that. You do. You too long and you've already got your like HQ and yeah, I'll be, island. I'll, yeah, I'll be walking around going, what the fuck did I tie Sam up? He's gone. <laughs> it's just like a dead ferret and a toothpick. And how did he get out of that? Yeah, that'd be... That'd be what would be like. so if you be you be Bond, I'll be the villain. No worries. Oh, that works for me. I can I can wear the Bond jacket. You wear the Fonz jacket. It's That'd be great. Evil Fonzie. Evil Fonz. That's it. Well, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Uh, before I let you go, is there any last message you have for all the fans and listeners out there? Um, yes, I would like to say something actually to anybody listening, anybody that's interested in my work, and even if you're not, and just you like Sam, um, I just want to say that. You know, we're all in this together at the moment. Everybody's situation is going to be okay and stable and possibly, you know, very even happy to some people who are going to be having a really hard time and are feeling very isolated and not having um, a sense of uh, togetherness, feeling very much alone. Uh, this time will pass. You know, just know that this time will change and will pass. Um, the more you can do to get up in the mornings, to do things in your, have a big or small, the places that you are, to try and better yourself in day. I mean, even if it's just like trying to learn a new exercise regime or reading a book or reading something online or checking out something you've never read before, like set yourself tasks. Um, because I think the sense of lack of purpose or the imprisonment feeling that we all feel from time to time, or maybe a lot at the moment, it, it, it can really, it can really sneak up on you very quickly and you can find yourself in a very heavy place. Um, even if quote unquote things are okay in terms of, you know, what you have in terms of resources and whatnot, you've got to look after yourself. You have to look after your own mental health and, um, uh, you know, no, this, this time will pass. It will change. It may change to something very new or wildly different to what we have now, but it will change. 
Um, but look after yourself. And that means sometimes making, making a challenge to yourself to do something every day that you haven't done before or doing something as basic as getting up, getting changed and cleaning the house or anything, anything you can think of. It's important to know that. Um, it's not a good idea just to sit around in pajamas and which I did for a day and I was like, this is, feels too comfortable, man. I'm going to get them. Yeah, yeah, this is too enticing. Like, this is too, too tempting. Easy. I was like, I started playing Red Dead 2. I was like, this is a short game I can play during the long time. Won't take me long to finish this. Oh my God, I'm eking that thing out because it's too dangerous, man. It's too good. So yeah, I think that's the thing is like, you know, you're not alone in this. Reach out to people, reach out to your friends. Everybody, a lot, a lot of people are doing that. But if you're not doing that, if you feel alone, pick up the phone, don't wait. Um, speak to somebody, you know, and, and do something for yourself every day. Try and, I know it sounds all glib and it sounds easy for me to say that, but I, you know, I, I understand a little bit about depression, you know, um, I'm not going to talk too much about my background and stuff, but I've, you know, I think most people have come across what can be defined as a mental health issue, whether it's depression or even suicidal thoughts or just sadness and grief and loneliness and all these kind of things, you know, we all have a reference point, I think, to these things. And the one thing that I know without going too much about my private life um, is that these things can really sneak up on you and they can suddenly you can find yourself in a very bad situation, even if, quote unquote, your, your real life situation is okay you know, you can get very, very down and into a very dark place. And I think it's important to look after yourself and important to set yourself tasks, get up, do things, reach out to friends, try something new. If you have access to the internet, because if you're listening to this podcast, you do, um, you know, if you seek out new skills that are free to learn, you don't have to spend any money. Um, learn to play an instrument or learn to, I don't know, whatever the thing is that you can find, do something new. It doesn't make a difference if you're good at it, by the way. It's just something that you could find interesting and engaging and can break up your day and don't get into a bad rhythm, you know? So that's it, really. Just good luck to everybody. And, you know, we're all in this together. One race, human race. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a great note to end on as well. Very inspiring there, Neil. Thank you. And you're welcome back anytime. And I hope all of you <laughs> listeners out there enjoyed listening to Neil as well. Neil Monologues. Presented by... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Neil Newborn Chronicles. The Neil Newborn <laughs> This week, he talks about the bag of a cereal packet. Stay tuned for the next riveting edition of Neil Newborn Monologues. <laughs> <laughs> not. <laughs> well, and on that note, I have to say thanks again, Neil, and take sure. care of yourself, and we'll hopefully have you back on the show very soon. You too. Stay safe and well. Peace.